My guest today works in real estate development. He's the Chief Operating Officer and Managing Director at DC Partners, a real estate development and investment firm. Please welcome Acho Azuke. Acho, how's it going, man? Hey, how's it going, RJ? It's going all right. Going all right. Thanks for coming on to the podcast. Well, wow, thanks for having me. All right. Well, hey, let's jump right into this. What do you do? My name is Acho Zwicke. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at DC Partners. We're a real estate development and investment firm based here in Houston, Texas. We primarily focused on luxury multifamily development, ranging from condominiums, primarily Arabella, Marlowe, Astoria here in Houston, work on mixed-use projects, office, but, you know, all things real estate in the commercial realm. That's what I do. Okay. All right. Now, how long have you been interested in real estate? Great question. <laughs> so for me, we can start back in, in undergrad. You know, I started off in undergrad at the University of Texas at Austin, started off as an engineering major coming from a Nigerian family. My dad really pushed me to be either, you know, everybody in Nigerian family is either doctors, lawyers, or engineers, pharmacists, something like that. And so for me, I started off engineering, but it wasn't really my passion per se. I, I had good internships. My dad, you know, helped me get an internship with Schlumberger, got an internship with Chevron, but I ended up wanting to change my major during my UT career. And I wanted to focus more on the, the business of things. And so for me, when I graduated UT before with economics that summer, I got my real estate license because I wanted to learn more about real estate, get into that field. An actual frat brother from another chapter of ours that was there at UT at the time, or in Austin at the time, he had a website called utcrips.com. And I was intrigued by that and I, I saw what he was doing with that. And so I got my license that summer and stayed in Austin after I graduated and went back to Houston. I, I started my HoustonCribs.com to do residential sales. Mm. So for me, just learning the real estate game, getting my real estate license, my dad made me read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad mm. back in the day that kind of piqued my interest in real estate as well. And so a combination of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, combination of seeing what Gino was doing in Austin and then starting my Houston Cribs in Houston. And, and then, you know, I got a job in real estate in, in Houston after I graduated on the mortgage side of things so I could understand the real estate finance aspects. So I was working in the mortgage industry back in the subprime lending days. So I wanted to just kind of get the whole realm of real estate. So I had my real estate sales background, had the real estate finance background with the mortgage. And so that was how I kind of got into it and got that passion for it to kind of put it all together and make a career of it. That is great. Wow. Did the real estate sales, mortgage industry to get that financing part of it, put it all together? And like you said, you, you started in engineering, but you could tell at an early age that this isn't something you wanted to do. You wanted to find something you were passionate in, and this is something you're passionate in. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, you're going through school and, you know, you know you're, you're, you're hustling, you're grinding. It's a hard, engineering hard. <laughs> if you're not passionate about it, your grades aren't going to reflect. And so for me. It wasn't something I was passionate about, and, you know, I saw as soon as I changed majors, my grades, you know, went, went up because it was something I was interested in doing, something I was focused on, and I wanted to truly understand that business aspect of everything. So I guess I, I did economics with a minor 
in business at 18. So I wanted to truly understand that. And I was passionate about it. But if you're not yeah. passionate or happy about what you're doing at school, it's going to suffer. So I encourage everybody to focus on what you're passionate about. So for me, trying to understand more of that real estate and trying to create my own niche, and that was what, what I was passionate about. So it got me excited, and I was, I was looking forward to it. Nice. All right. And now, Chief Operating Officer at DC Partners. So talk about that. How'd you get into DC Partners? Uh, good question. So for me, after I graduated and I was working in the, re- in the residential finance industry, residential sales industry, I knew this was just uh, part one, mm-hmm. my ultimate you know, career goals. I, I worked in the mortgage industry for two years, and I knew I ultimately wanted to get into commercial real estate development. I wanted to see how what the process was of taking dirt. You know, I, I would always be intrigued by driving by and seeing construction cranes and being something that used to be here that's not there anymore. Oh, now look what this is now. So that was always pretty cool to me. So I, I researched, how do I, how do I do that? What do I have to do to get there? And technically you don't need an MBA to, to get into real estate development. But for me, since I was kind of changing paths, changing careers, I, I took the MBA as an opportunity to kind of reinvent myself and get the skills and tools I needed to, to do that. I looked at, the different companies that were hiring, the different companies that were doing that in the area and what they valued. You know, I saw companies like Heinz, uh, Trammell Crow, CBRE, and what they were doing in the area where they were located. And so for me, I said, okay, let me go get my MBA. I was a little nervous at first because I only had two years of work experience. And typically, if you're an MBA, you need, you know, they, they act, they're average recommending, you know, three to five or, you know, with that kind of work experience. And management experience and all that, but I, I took a chance and applied to Rice and a few other schools and all the schools I got into, I, I contacted the real estate club presidents at all the colleges I got into. And I just asked them, what are you guys doing on campus? Who's hiring there? Tell me about the club. What do you guys do? And the real estate club president at Rice, a guy named Bruce me and him still do business to this day, but he was a great mentor for me. He told me a lot about what they were doing. He really encouraged me and told me what you know, how great Rice was for, for real estate, what they were trying to do to grow the real estate community there. And so for me, it was a no-brainer to go to Rice. And, and I knew I wanted to live and work in Houston, ultimately. And so Rice has such a great name here. So it was a, it was a no-brainer. So I was excited about that. So getting my, my MBA at Rice. And then while at Rice, they had a great program called the Action Learning uh, Project, where you could, you could work on something, an actual consulting project for a company. And so for me, I took that opportunity to, you know, I had the residential sales, I had the mortgage industry experience, and then luckily for me, it was all just a blessing. There's a, a company called Limbeck Construction that had a, a project that they were looking for help on on the consulting side. So guys that are interested in real estate, we latched on and did the Limbeck project. So that gave me a little bit of that construction experience to understand that side of the game. And then I got my internship at Heinz, which is probably the world's largest real estate development company. So I, I interned at Heinz after my, my first year. And then, you know, Rice was still developing the real estate program there as far as being creation. And so my second year, I reached out to some of the administration to see if I can create my own class, my own project. And so Midway Companies at the time, they're, you know, a large Houston real estate developer, and they, they had a nonprofit, a pro bono project they do every year. And this year, it's a Yellowstone Academy. They're they're developing a gymnasium for them. And so I reached out and said, can I help on this project? 
uh, you know, it basically interned for free. And, but for me, I created, you know, a five hour class out of it, got, you know, created a class to be able to do, act, get actual hands-on real estate development experience and uh, use that to also add to my resume and add to my skill set. And so working on that project, I ultimately ended up getting hired on by Midway companies after I graduated. I started working with them before I graduated. So that was another, another big blessing there. I, I met actually my a mentor at Midway. You know, I eventually became the real estate co-president and I'll speak in an event. And, you know, one of the project, senior project managers at Midway at the time was about to be a first year in a professional program. He saw me speaking and uh, took a liking and we, we, we became, you know, friends and, you know, he mentored me and he put me onto that project and ended up hiring me to work at Midway after that. So, and then continue this, like I said, I've just been blessed. I worked at Midway for, uh, I graduated in 08 from, from Rice, which might not have been the greatest time to graduate mm. from getting your MBA in the real estate field and the finance market. But I ended up getting laid off from Midway after a year. But the project I was working on at Midway was for a uh, corporate headquarters project by now current CEO. And I was a assistant project manager on that. And I built a relationship with him. And when I got laid off from Midway, I literally called him and said, hey, I'd love to continue to still help you work on your company. And he, you know, I was out of work for a week. And he brought me on to assist him at his former company. Uh, he ended up selling that company and starting the real estate firm. And I was one of the you know, first employees on that. And we've been you know, together ever since growing the company to, to what it is today. That is great. Wow. Wow. I love that. Love just you talking about the mentors and it's just so important to have mentors in your life and helping you out, but also just the power of networking and, and making those connections and how that's helped you in your life and in your career. Now, so you land the job at DC Partners when he starts DC Partners and correct me if I'm wrong, but towards the beginning of that, was that when you started getting involved with EB5, the EB5 yeah that's, exactly, okay. yeah, that's exactly right. And so that's, you know, we were in the beginning of that, and that's how we branched off to start doing bigger scale projects. So mm. at first, when I, when I left Midway and yeah. joined him at, at his former company, it was just running the real estate assets that the company owned at the time. Mm. But he also had aspirations to, to grow into commercial real estate development, and the way to fund that was through something called the EB-5 program. He had heard about it because he's an immigrant himself. He's from Mexico City came to this country under the EB-5 program himself. And for those not familiar with the EB-5 program, it's something that the government started back in 1990 as a way to uh, stimulate foreign investment. So foreign investors uh, under the previous rules of the program would invest $500,000 uh, into an unapproved project in the United States and get a green card for themselves and their immediate family. And so he you know, heard about it. He did it himself back in the infancy of the project, of the program. And, you know, his immigration attorney at the time had told him that, hey, a lot of real estate developers are using this now. So he brought that to my desk. I'll never forget today. Look into this and see if this is real or not. Can we do this and do a condo project or a real estate development project? So I was like, I think we have something here. So for us, we, we looked into it. We're one of the largest groups doing it in, in Texas right now. And we've raised a few hundred million dollars of EB-5 funding since then. Uh, to fund our real estate projects. And so oh. it's something to where, you know, like I said, we put it into our real estate projects. It's a cheaper form of equity for us. And that's how we've been successful. For example, our one of my, my, my main projects in San Antonio, we raised over $50 million in EB-5 funds from foreign investors from Mexico, China, Nigeria, and other parts of the world. 
but it's a, it's a good karma business because you're, they're investing and they're getting green cards for their family. And they're, you know, something that we're, we're getting back. So we're, you know, it's been, it's been a great tool for us to help grow. Yeah, that's great. And in addition to that, you're creating jobs here, right? Cause you have to at least create, is it right. 10 jobs or whatever? So that's, yeah, that's correct. So for every 500,000 that's invested, 10 jobs have to be created. And so, for example, I was looking at this today, actually, for our San Antonio project, we're creating over 1,200 jobs nice. um, from EB-500. So it's something that the cities like. Like, I've traveled all over the world with city officials to help raise funds. My most number of trips is uh, to Vietnam with uh, uh, County Commissioner Tommy Calvert from San Antonio. So we're raising for our San Antonio hotel project. And the foreign investors like to see that the city is behind uh, the project. They support it. And so travel to Vietnam with him to raise funds for the project. He's a future, a future star in, in politics in San Antonio. And so it's been great to build a relationship with him and he's been a great advocate for the, for the project. Nice. So talking about that, raising funds, talking to city officials and your, your clients and the traveling, can you just talk a little bit about what you do, what your responsibilities are as the COO and kind of like a typical day, I guess we can talk about a typical day of yours as well. Yeah. So I thought like about real estate. So every, <laughs> Every day is different, you know? So for me, when I was looking at, at careers and I was like, I flirted with investment banking and the sexy Wall Street world and all that. And I, I, I dug into to real estate. For me, it's like one day I can be you know, marketing. One day I'm a lawyer. One day I'm an engineer. One day a food taster, you know, it's a little bit of everything. One of my most memorable business meetings is going for our hotel project in San Antonio is we literally, we were looking to hire a, uh, chef, an executive chef to come up with the concepts and do everything for our hotel project out there. So me and our CEO, Roberto, we flew this to New Orleans to go have chef tastings all day with different <laughs> high-end New Orleans chefs and come up with uh, concepts and all that. So one day I could be doing that and one day I could be crunching numbers, trying to make sure budgets and you know, working on loans. We, we just worked on a commercial financing for an office project we're doing. So I've been before the, end, before the end of this year, he's been working on due diligence items to try and finish up a construction loan. So it's a little bit of everything. For me, my main responsibilities are kind of just the vision of the project, keeping everything in budget, keeping everything finance, leasing up our projects, leasing out our office, our retail projects, our hotel project in San Antonio. Like I said, I negotiated with the Thompson Act to come up with our management agreement with them. I'm negotiating leases with tenants. So it's a little bit of everything that I'm responsible for, but I have a team, you know, under me that, that, that we all, you know, work together on these things. And my overall responsibility is just the overall direction of our real estate development. But like I said, what I like about I'm not stuck doing one thing every day. Everything could be, you know, like I said, from marketing, coming up with the name of a building, coming up with, you know, which hotel to use, talking to different tenants and touring them and telling them why Houston is so great and why they need to come here and, set up shop here to negotiating with lenders on why they need to give us this loan. We can build our project. So it's a little bit of a uh, little bit of everything, but it's exciting and it's not boring. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. Traveling all over the place, Philippines and all these other countries you mentioned and going to New Orleans for tastings for, for executive chefs there. It sounds extremely exciting. And on top yeah. of all the duties that you have and other responsibilities. Yeah, but, but to, to the other side of that, the real estate yeah. development is, it's, it, I mean, it is risky. Because on the real estate development front, you're, you're investing money, you're putting up money mm -hmm. to do projects that aren't necessarily going to pay off. 
until a capital event occurs. For example, our uh, you know, all of our condo projects, we buy land, we pay money for development costs, we invest to put our equity, raise funds, and then you don't really see a return on that until the end. All right. So we're, you're losing money, losing money, and then you hope for a big payoff at the end that might not all come. So it is a risk, uh, a risk award, but it's, it's you know, when, when there is a great project that has a great return, it is, it is a successful payoff. So how do, you, how do you do that? How do you measure that risk for these projects that you're working on? And when do you usually estimate that, that you will get a return for these projects as well? Depends on the type of project and uh, on the asset class. So typically for one of our condo projects, it's a couple of years uh, development timeline. So condos, you're, you're putting up your money up, you're going to build it and you're, you're going pre-sale. So you're going to start selling your condo before you even break down in some cases. So you're hoping to generate enough momentum on pre-sales to where you're going to be sold out by the time the construction is completed. In our first project, Astoria, that, that was the case. Astoria, we were a successful project. We start, we, we finished that project and we were sold out before, before completion. But that's not always the case. You know, we have two condo projects right now, uh, Marlowe and Arabella, that both been completed for a few years now, but they're not completely sold out. So we're still in the process of selling those, those projects out. Then fast forward to a hotel project, for example, a San Antonio project. If you asked me two years ago about it, you know, it's exciting because this is, this my my baby here is a project that I, I found came to my attention a few years ago and I brought it to the company and pushed to do the project. It was just a parking lot at the time on the river walk and mm. see it now so we're about to open. But you know, now we're about to open in the midst of a pandemic mm. to where we've had to push the opening back a few months to where we're we're now set to open in February here, but you know, we're not sure what next year is gonna look like. So last year, this time last year, I was very optimistic about outlook of that project but now we're optimistic towards the later half of that of the year especially with the vaccines coming and all that with the hotel business you know this is probably not the greatest time to be opening up a hotel and so we're, we're excited about the location of the hotel and uh, the brand it's a Thompson brand it's a very luxury boutique project and, uh, and hotel and they've they're expanding all over yep. the world especially here in Texas you know in uh, Dallas and we have we're, we're doing one in Houston as well and so it all depends on the asset class. Like I said, condos, a couple of years, you get your return. If you're able to be successful on the sellout, multifamily, same thing with the apartments for rent. Right now, apartments are great right now. People are still renting. People are, are doing that. And so if, if, if it's in a time to where that's great. A few years ago, the city of Houston had a, a, something called the Downtown Living Initiative to where they incentivized developers to $15,000 per unit of multifamily that was developed downtown. So developers rush to develop multifamily units in downtown and that caused a lot of inventory to come into place. So a lot of stuff came online at the same time. Mm. And so people that tried to sell their projects might not have done so well. Right. It really just depends on the asset class and the timing of things. So, but if you have the patience, the capital, that's why it's important to have equity resources that can have that. So for us, we'd be five because it's patient money. It's a cheaper source of equity that we could have a longer, longer lead time with. Yeah. Okay. And then what about changing rates? How does that affect you guys? For us, because we've typically been doing condo projects and a little bit riskier asset classes that lenders look at, we haven't been able to go to a regular bank, gotcha. a regular bank here to go get a cheap rate. We've always had to go get 
non-recourse, a little bit more expensive funding. Yeah. For us, we've always paid higher rates. But on the flip side, the cheaper rates have helped on the mortgage side of our condo buyers. But when we start building these things, they can't go get their mortgages. Now, you know, on our San Antonio project, we're finishing that up. And people can go get their mortgages and go get their deals done. But in the beginning, we're selling condos that they're two years out. They can't go get a mortgage on it today. So we can't really take advantage of that. So for us, we haven't been able to take advantage of that kind of funding. However, we have seen, we have been able to still get this commercial construction funding done on all of our projects. Thank goodness. But we haven't been able to take advantage of great interest rates because that doesn't really apply to us and the type of assets we're, we're developing. Got it. Okay. Now, you mentioned some of your projects, like the Thompson Hotel in San Antonio. I think you said the Astoria, Marlowe. Can you name some of the projects that you work on? I know I've, I've seen yeah. some of the buildings that are amazing. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So our, our first project that we did here in Houston is Astoria, and that was a condo off of Post Oak. That was our first real, you know, getting our feet wet into the development game, and we, we acquired that site from McDonald's, actually. Mm. McDonald's had a, a, a big piece of land there on Post Oak that they you know, it was underutilized. They had a huge parking lot they didn't really need. And so we bought the excess land. They redeveloped their McDonald's and bigger, you know, higher McDonald's and sold us the excess land and still stayed there. So it was a great win for them, win for us. And it was a great project. It was great timing because when we developed that project, it was only us and another condo project under development at that time. So that's why we were able to sell out so fast. And so uh, great timing, great project and each of these projects have different kind of themes that has more of your uh, New York uh, Gotham type feel to it and the aesthetics, the design, the architecture. Um, Our next project we worked on uh, Arabella, which has more of your Miami, this great architecture on it is different. Every time we learn from each one of our projects. So a story, we, we took feedback from that, added that to Arabella. Arabella, we added pools on, on balconies. We added, colors, the lighting in the building. We wanted to continue to grow and learn on each of the projects. Arabella, that's off the of Felipe, right by the Rook District, you know, went bigger, taller, taller units, bigger, bigger units. Marlow, we wanted to do something. We, we got feedback from our first two projects on there. We wanted to get something in a different price point that wasn't as expensive as Arabella and Astoria. And so we created a Marlow, which is downtown. And we wanted Marlow to kind of represent a tailored gentleman somebody in a suit and Marlowe was like the, the strong male feature. And so that's why we wanted to develop that project and have a you know, masculine condo in an affordable price point. So that, that was that project. Next for us, we invested in some apartment projects and then Thompson San Antonio, that was our first venture into the hotel business. And that project came about through networking, like you said before, and the importance of it. Uh, some brokers reached out because they heard we did EB5 business and, you know, they we were looking for new projects at the time. I actually passed on the deal at first because I was like, San Antonio, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure about that. But after, after doing some more research and I saw the hotel business, the hotel market in San Antonio is even, is way better than Houston. Right? It's a it's great source of attraction. Yeah, it's a great source of attraction. It's a great site on the Riverwalk. It's right across from uh, the Penn Center, which is their performing arts venue in San Antonio. And so, and I had never heard of Thompson Brand at the time. It was, you know, very young at the time. And so after doing research on that and getting to know them, I, you know, I took the deal back to our, our, you know, the rest of our team and really fought for it. And, uh, you know, they eventually believed in me and we, we, you know, got it going and negotiated with the Thompson Hotels and 
kind of did a two for one deal with them because we're, we're doing one in Houston as well. And uh, they, they love us. We love them. So we're, we're excited to continue to grow with them. But that was our first deal into hotels and just being able to uh, learn that business and continue to grow with it and bring one to Houston and continue to see where else we can take it. So it's been great on, on that front where, you know, we took that success and we're doing our probably most ambitious project to date called the Allen. It's yeah. off of Allen Parkway. It's a mixed use project. It's a six acre track we have right across from Buffalo Bayou Park. And the Buffalo Bayou Park's like our, our central park here in Houston. And yeah. one of the Thompson Hotel there with condos on top. Uh, we have you know, retail coming there, and then you know, we're, we're starting to plan uh, phase two right now of that as well. So I think Allen Parkway is going to be a great part of Houston as far as all the other development is going. There's a good, great connector between downtown and River Oaks now. So. Great. Great, man. You guys got a lot of things cooking, a lot of things going on. That's, that's great. Yeah. I love it. Yes, now, now, with all, all these buildings and condos and apartment complexes that you guys are working on now and financing, I know at the beginning you were doing other other things. So can you talk about any interesting projects that you had before these large condos and buildings and, and apartment complexes? Yeah, we had some smaller retail things that we were looking at and we, we own. We got some smaller condo projects. We've done some two, two 10 unit projects called Chateau 10, which were just, you know, 10 unit condos. They have one in Rice Village area, one in like, like in Kirby area. So we, we just two 10 unit condos that were just, just like that. We had back in, when we first started, you know, we started off kind of almost in the private equity front to where our CEO was just investing in, in different businesses. And so, we had mortgage business that we were investing in called uh, NRL Mortgage. We had a you know, we had all kinds of different things, but the most in you know, the mortgage industry one is that's another one that was exciting for me because that I was able to pull from my past mortgage experience and bring that opportunity to the company as well. To where I, like I said, I worked in the mortgage industry. After that, I reached out to some of the guys I used to work with that were looking to get into the space, into the space as far as ownership and become a bank, and so put the two together and we, you know, we created something great there that they've been able to to grow and be very successful uh, on since then. So it's been, been exciting on that. But now my main focus has been on the real estate development front, but yeah. in the past we did, we did uh, dabble in a bunch of other things. Yeah. Great. Okay. Now you talked about your, your duties and your responsibilities, but what time do you get in? What time do you leave? Besides those responsibilities, are there other things that you're doing throughout the day, like admin stuff? What type of things are you doing throughout the day? Yeah, so for me, I'm in the office between 8 o'clock and 8.15. And I leave, depending on the day and meetings, I leave between 5.30 and 6. Okay. But as you know, with our phones and everything, you're really never off the clock. That's right. Always still going to be working and grinding on. On Monday nights uh, in the fall, I teach real estate development at, at University of Houston. And so I leave a little early on those days to go teach. But typical stuff I'm doing during the day, like I said, uh, as far as admin, it, it, could, it, it varies. Like, like uh, other stuff, depending on what type of day it is or what we're working on. For example, this week, you know, holiday week, but we've been working on closing out stuff, getting last minute agreements done with getting ready to open up the hotel next year. Like I said, so working on those kind of things, we're in the process of closing condo units as well on San Antonio. Even though the hotel hasn't opened yet, we're still closing condos there and we have residents moving in. So 
So my days are typically, you know, I, I encourage have people having lunch meetings with people just to get to network, continue yeah. network, network, network. That's how, yeah. you know, your next deals are going to be found. Your leases, what's going on in the market and knowing what's going on with people and the industry. So I, I always encourage having uh, lunch meetings, just between, you know, conference calls. You know, we have something called the OAC meetings, which are owner, architect, contractors. And so for each of my projects, we have those either weekly or biweekly. Every month we have uh, lender meetings to go over projects with the lenders that we have to kind of give them updates so to know what's going on. I also have investor meetings that I need to do. Tomorrow morning I have one to go over with one of our investors from San Antonio, let them know, you know what the status is on the project. So it's between meetings, um, working, uh, and admin stuff. But to me, like I said, I, I like to keep a good balance there. Uh, I'm not trying to be at the office for a million hours a week, but I can, we have, like I said, we have the phones and computers and everything now where I can do that from home. Right. I take the kids to school in the morning. And so I'm in there, I'm in the office from 8, 8, 15. I, I grind until, you know, between 5 and 6. And, and we're still working when we get back home. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, it seems so client-facing what you do. So how has that changed right now with the pandemic? And if it has, how have you adjusted to it? Yeah, it's been interesting. So, like I said, my investor meeting that I have tomorrow is a, it's a Zoom call. Mm. So, we're gonna put some, you know, have a presentation we're going to put together. We're going to share screens, and we're going to have a Zoom for that. It's been different. You yeah. Know? It's been, you know, the lunch meetings have, you know, come to a, a halt here for, <laughs> you know, for a time. You know, just doing catch-up calls instead. You've got to get creative on how how you do that is reaching out to people, checking in on them, knowing what's going on with them, you know, people from all over the country from us. That's one of the good parts about the pandemic is we've been able to reconnect people from other parts. Like one of my, for example, my, my class that I teach at U of H, um, I typically bring in guest speakers. Mm. And I was able to tap into my contacts all over the country to have guest speakers from everywhere come in and do it virtually. Right. Where they could reach out to those people. And it also gave me an opportunity to reconnect with them. So it's been, it's been good on that front. But you just have to adapt and, uh, and adjust. But everybody's definitely looking forward to getting back to some kind of normalcy. Yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now can you talk about your skill sets, the skill sets and the characteristics that you feel are most important to be successful in your line of business? Yeah, I think for, for real estate development, you, you have to have that uh, entrepreneurial spirit because I, I tell this to anybody I interview, recruit, hire, no matter what your position is, your level is, you, you could bring a deal into the company just from you going out there and networking. I, I encourage everybody to go join trade organizations in their industry. They have great tools and things that they offer as far as networking lunches, uh, continuing education, things like that, that people can do to help further themselves. They have different subgroups. Um, one of the popular ones in, in real estate here in Houston is called uh, ULI, which is Urban Land Institute. And they have a great mentor program. They have a great uh, young leader program. Join those types of things to network and continue to expand your knowledge, expand your base of people, you know, because you never know who's going to be able to, to uh, you know, help further your career or bring you another opportunity or bring you something, you, you know, Showing you something you can bring to the company. Right. So, to be definitely to be entrepreneurial, you have to be uh, flexible to be able to multitask and do different things. Like I uh, like I mentioned earlier in our discussion, that you're not just uh, pigeonholed into one thing as far as 
I'm just going to do, I'm just a numbers guy or I'm just a marketing guy. Be flexible to be open to, to other things. And it's got to be driven, driven, hungry, and fearless because it can be, you know, can be scary at times on the, on the real estate development front, on the entrepreneurial front. But having, I think having that skill set is, is, is definitely important. And just be outgoing, you know, that, that goes back in line with our networking thing. So. All right, great. Having an entrepreneurial spirit, being flexible, multitasking, being driven, fearless, and outgoing. I like that. And then also numbers. You got to still, you know, I know, I guess I didn't want to just be picking holes and doing numbers, but you still have to have a good grasp on on that and understanding what to look for. And like you asked earlier, what do we, how do we know what a good deal is and all that good stuff. So understanding your metrics and what you're looking for on returns, et cetera. So, Let's get into that. So when you're looking at the numbers and you're, you're looking at these deals, are you, are you just comparing, like looking at comps with comparable uh, projects? Are you actually looking at what the estimated cash flows are and, and doing like modeling on them? What, what type of things are you doing? All the above. All okay. the above. So okay. you're, looking, you're looking at comps, you're looking at modeling. So, you know, this, we've been working on 2021 budgets for some of our hotel project next year. So, you know, modeling that out, we, we modeled that out, you know, a few years ago based on what we thought it was going to be. Yeah. So you're looking at that. You're looking at your estimated return for your investors. You, you have to put together packages for your investors you're trying to raise money from as well. So understanding that and being able to defend that. Because I can put together a package or my team can put together a package, but then I have to go defend that with a lender. I have to go defend that with an investor and let them know why we believe in our assumptions that we're putting into the project, why we, why we believe the project is going to be a success. And so being able to stand by your numbers and understand and to speak confidently about it is, uh, is a great tool. Yeah, that's great. That's great you said that. Just not only knowing the numbers, but being able to articulate what's behind it and defend it yeah. to them. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, can you talk about what you love about what you do? Yeah, so I guess what I love about it is I'm not picking all the fact that I'm doing something different every day. Mm. So, like I said, one day I can be a you know a marketing genius or not so marketing genius, and I'm doing that part of it. I'm you know doing chef tastings, or I'm I'm talking to different restaurant concepts from other parts of the country and convincing them why they need to come to Houston and come be part of our project, or I'm negotiating with a hotel brand or now that we got some success with Thompson Hotel Brands, we're reaching out trying to get us to develop their project. So it's the fact that I get to do different different things daily, and I'm not just doing one thing only. It's been, truly is just a wide range of things I get to have access to. And, and being, you know, starting off at a, at a company that was smaller, I was able to have my hands in everything. So literally, you know, working with city officials on city reimbursements for projects to working with marketing agencies to come up with names for a rooftop bar concept that we're coming with, going over the logo designs for those things, just the, the wide range of things I get to have access to and exposure to is, is why I love it. So, and then seeing, like, like I said before, like the Thompson San Antonio fight, that's my baby. And it's a project that I saw when it was just a parking lot in San Antonio there, you know, now there's a tower there, hotels and suites and, Fresh is coming out about it and driving down the street here in Houston. I'm taking my kids to school. My daughter will point out and say, Daddy, there's your palette. Mm-hmm. Uh, things, things like that is uh, the reason why I love it. That's awesome. 
That is great. <laughs> now, what about on the flip side? I know you mentioned the pandemic and how that's uh, challenging with just being such a client-facing uh, uh, business. But what other challenges are out there for you? What keeps you up at night? Yeah, so, you know, Houston, as you know, it's very tied to oil. It's uh, very tied to healthcare, and, and when the pandemic first hit, the fact that oil prices were low, we, we got a negative uh, view from outside lenders and um, tenants and other other people that were looking at Houston. So it, it was a struggle for us here in Houston to bounce back from that. But once people realize that Houston is not just dependent on we have a diverse economy here uh, with healthcare, with you know with IT, we have all the other parts of the economy that kind of that help us you know, flourish and bounce back from these. That's, that's been a struggle for, for us on that. As you can imagine, during a pandemic, during a economic meltdown, people aren't, you know, rushing to buy multi-million dollar condos. You know, so that's, you know, that's been a little slow. You know, like I said, the hotel market, it, you know, it's going to be an interesting uh, piece to recover. We're also, we were lucky that we weren't opening any of our retail projects during this time. We were leasing them out to where now we're seeing we're seeing COVID language come into leases. We're seeing tenants ask for relief or, you know, not having to open if there's a government required shutdown. So having to adjust for things like that and then making sure we're able to still get financing for projects. Uh, the EB-5 world changed last year to where the government increased the amount from 500K to 900K. That also shrunk uh, the market for us. So those are the type of things that keep us up at night and then just making sure people we're going to keep projects in budget and uh, you know, making sure we're going to be on time, scheduling on budget. Those are things that, that keep me up at night. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, what about you? You mentioned some memorable moments earlier, but any, uh, any memorable moments stick out in your career? Yeah, I think that's two. One, we'll, so a story, uh, our first project, you know, it wasn't like I said, it was the project I worked on, but just being able to see it, yeah, from you know negotiating with McDonald's. And I, you know, I was younger at the time. I didn't have the direct negotiation with McDonald's or anything like that. But being part of the team that developed it from the ground up to completion and going to my grand opening party for Astoria, and being building and the buyer that you know I, you know, I have to go in and sign all these contracts, the purchase contracts. I'm the one signing these things, so I know all the buyers' names and seeing them there, seeing them happy to, to be in their units and seeing all of our team join their faces at, at that, uh, you know, the grand opening for a story was a little moment. And then for Thompson, Antonio, uh, our groundbreaking event a few years ago to where we took the project from just a parking lot and the work we went through to, to negotiate a hotel agreement with the Thompson, bring them there and then go to the groundbreaking event. And so, he asked me this a few months from now, it would probably be our grand opening mm -hmm. for, for San Antonio when, when that opens. But that those are some memorable moments in, uh, in my career. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And can't wait for that. Can't wait for that grand opening. That's going to be great. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, just like you said, just such a touristy city and a great brand too. So. No, no, we're excited. I already told, uh, already told the fan we're going to go out there for spring break next year, mm -hmm. God willing. And so, you know, check out the hotel and, uh, you know, the pool and everything else and see what we've been working on yeah nice all right well hey Acho, we're at the end of this interview i'm gonna head over to this quick hitter session where i'm gonna ask you questions for fun to get to know you a little bit better 
But before All we right. do that, though, I want to see if there's anything additional that you would like to add or if there's anything that you feel like I might have left off asking you. Uh, no, I think you, you touched on everything. I think there's importance in no matter what field you're in to network, 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 you know, have mentors. I, I am involved in a few nonprofit organizations that I mentor uh, uh, young young men and you know, help them get, understand, you know, there's, there's people out there doing things that in the different career fields and, and set them up with people that they can meet. So I always and, and definitely enjoy networking with people. I enjoy giving me back and, and mentoring. So it's an important thing to have that even in our careers. I encourage people even in our level to have mentors ourselves as well. And so I think that's a great, uh, a great tool for, for our growth. So, you know, uh, I definitely enjoy that part of things. And then um, just like I said, this, this real estate overall is just about, you know, being entrepreneurial and having that drive and that, that hunger to see something develop from the ground up. So it's an exciting thing. So I'm excited to talk about it and excited to, to do it. That's great. And I, I love the advice you give about just the importance of networking, the connections and uh, having a mentor, but, you know, knowing that that mentor is not going to fall in your lap. So going out there yeah, and, you gotta and go. try and get the man. Yeah. You gotta go get it. I'll say this. One of, one of the best pieces of advice I got, I was, uh, it wasn't a mentor per se, but he, he gave me some advice, this, this free game that he gave me. I was, uh, you know, in high school, interviewing for my internship at Slumberjay, and uh, he was a fellow Nigerian guy, interviewed me, and uh, after the interview, he said, hey, you might want to change your email address. I was, you know, I was, a, I was a big basketball fanatic, you know, played basketball in high school and all that, and my email address was dunkaholic at AOL.com. <laughs> and so he told me to change that, and I was like, oh, that's great advice. And so... I, I story to the young men and young women I mentor now. Oh, great. And the other uh, great advice you, well, basically it's just you talking about just learning all the different areas and what you do, you know, just, you know, not being, uh, like you said, not pigeonholing yourself, but being able to like, just listening to what you said and uh, all the different areas that, you know, from real estate to the mortgage industry part into construction and consulting and making sure you knew all of it. Mm -hmm. And now you're able to tap in all those different areas and you can uh, talk into all these different vendors and, and clients and whoever it is with, with confidence. And I, I love that. Yep, yep. All right. So let's head over to this quick hitter session. First question. What's your favorite sports team? Uh, Houston Rockets. All right. All right. And favorite movie or show? Favorite movie or show? I'm going to hit you with The Sopranos mm. for the show. I just did a rewatch here during the pandemic as well. And then probably Breaking Bad and The Wire. Yeah. Oh, man. Those yeah. are three awesome ones. All right. Yeah. Favorite musical artist or group? I'm going to go with Jay-Z. Yeah, Jay-Z. Jay-Z, all right. Mm -hmm. Favorite vacation spot? Yes. <laughs> I, really miss, I really miss Cabo right now. Yeah. I miss Cabo, yeah. Another plug for Thompson. There's a great Thompson hotel out there in Cabo, but I love oh, the is. golf out there. Yeah, I love the golf, the weather. I'm a big Cabo fan. Nice. Yeah, you do love to golf. <laughs> mm -hmm. Favorite food or drink? Yes, favorite food or drink. Uh, are we, what kind of drink are we talking about here? Is it any any type? <laughs> alcoholic, non-alcoholic, whatever. Yeah. You <laughs> uh, um, as an alcoholic, I, I, I'm an old-fashioned fan. Oh, I like yeah. a good old-fashioned. 
Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite food, and I can't go on my good old my mom's good Nigerian cooking. Oh yeah, nice, nice. And one more for you: favorite golf course. Ooh, favorite <laughs> golf course. Um, I played. I would love to play, but uh, I, my favorite golf experience, I would say, is um, I played in Hawaii. Played Turtle Bay in Hawaii. I played 36 holes in one day. The first time I just went out there, played 36 holes and great views because of the water and all that. But I've been, you know, we have a little golf group with our guys called uh, Hackers Heritage, and we travel. You know, this year we didn't get to do any, but we typically travel somewhere each year to go play from Scottsdale to San Diego. So we played Torrey Pines a few years ago. We played TPC uh, Scottsdale. So. Every year we, we, we cross something off the bucket list that we get to play. So we got uh, Scotland in the books here for a few years from now. So we're looking forward to that. Did you say Scotland? Yeah, we're looking. We're hoping to go to Scotland here and go play. Wow. Uh, play out there, go to distilleries and all that. Wow. All right. <laughs> nice. Well, hey, Ajo, this is great. It's been awesome. Learned a lot from it. And I, I love, like I said, I love the advice that you gave. Man, just congrats on all the success that you've done and all your achievements so far. And just keep doing, keep doing what you're doing. And, and thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. No, I appreciate you for having me. And I love what you're doing here as well. It's a great, great platform. And uh, great to see how people see all the different career things I've been a fan. And so I've been checking it out and taking a look at the different things that, that pique my interest as well. So I love what you're doing. Uh, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate that. It means a lot. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, have a good one, man. All right. Thanks, sir. Thank you, everyone. If you have any comments or questions or would like to be on the podcast, please reach out to me on Instagram at Rodolfo Cooper. Thank you. Bye.